Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we work to recover the dignity and mission of vocation. Learn more at metronmanager.com. friends. Man, thanks for coming out. Stormy night. Nothing like a tornado to light up your morning. Anybody else drive through the wreckage down here coming in from the east side? I thought that was going to be the way to go, like kind of dodge traffic. And then I got stuck in the aftermath of the tornado. It's like, dang it. I really chose poorly today, my map. But uh, yeah, so hopefully y'all are not damaged by that. Um, It's good to see you. New faces, new people. A few uh, recurring visitors, which is fun. We're going to get to know each other a little bit more. But honestly, you guys, the, the whole point behind these get-togethers is pretty much what we did the first half hour, just talk and get to know each other and connect. Because one of the things, you know, Henry and I have discovered and others is that there's just not a lot to latch on to around for people who are working in their profession. They're called, they're committed to the kingdom, and you just rarely run into others like in a, in a meaningful interactive way and providing that connection time is a real heart behind the networking we get to do here and you guys are from such diverse backgrounds it's great it's it's not uh, siloed that was one of the terms we kept coming up with or talking about was like yeah there's stuff happening and people are doing great things all over pockets of stuff like even this company avod3 um, and but every no one knows each other no one runs into each other they're all in their own little silos around northwest arkansas so I'm drawing you out of your silos to come hang out. That's the main thing. And, and really um, be able to hear each other, be able to add some value to each other's journeys here. I know most of us here have a, some degree of a heart for transformation in society, a missional heart. We got you know kind of a redemptive entrepreneurship vibe that's really strong in Northwest Arkansas. And a lot of us are wired entrepreneurially. And that can be a lonely gig, you know, as well when you're an army of one trying to do stuff or, you know, in a difficult environment. So I, that's really my heart behind these gatherings is just get together and talk about what we're doing, who we are, and maybe some of the challenges and dynamics we're facing, whether that's big picture or small. Because what we find is a lot of times we, can, we find some answers for each other and some valuable resource that we're not going to hear if people don't hear where you're coming from. And so I just really encourage you to just kind of share, you know, we're going to do a little round the table talk here in a minute, but just to hear who people are and what they're up to, what they're doing professionally. But also, you know, I'd like you guys to throw out, throw out there, like, don't, we don't need to answer these things or even know what to say about it, but just throw out and say, Hey, you know, this is a challenge in what I'm doing, or this is a challenge in my, uh, my profession. Uh, this challenges my faith this is, you know, just throw a one line out there just so people hear where you're coming from and some of the stuff you're up against. Because I think a lot of times we look around at other uh, believers, especially in career positions and stuff, we're like, oh, that person's got it all together. <laughs> everything's great for them, you know? Like from the outside, you get the stained glass window view of, hey, everything's fine. But really a lot of us are just struggling and challenged by the same things. And some of us have overcome things that others need to hear about 
uh, and gain some wisdom from. So I'm going to, you know, ask Josh to share tonight a little bit, some encouragement, some advice from his journey. Um, and I do, since there's a lot of new people here, I want to, I want to do a quick primer on why I feel this is important. Most of you guys know that I wrote the book, uh, Managing Your Metron, really kicked off this, uh, this ministry I'm working on called uh, the Metron Manager Network for the last couple of years. Basically started right in the beginning of COVID. Strange time to start up a ministry. Uh, gave me a lot of time to develop stuff. So I got some materials if you need stuff. <laughs> and if you haven't followed the podcast, please do that. So I'm trying to capture with the podcast people's stories, their journeys, because they've all got these gold nuggets that can translate over to other areas we're working on and you know, and how to really do kingdom in the midst of your career. And I love it. I love getting the people I get to meet in this. And uh, like Mark and I, we had a great talk Monday and just love hearing your stories. So all that to say, that's why we're doing this. Glad you guys came out. Yeah, so the concept of Metron, just really quickly, it's derived from 2 Corinthians 10, 13. And it's the word that the Apostle Paul uses for sphere, a measure of the sphere in the scripture. It's the Greek word. Pretty common concept in Greek culture. Everything was built on the concepts of metron in Greek culture. And Paul says that he has a measure and there's certain things that are within his measure that he's responsible for. And there's things that are outside of it, but he's really owning up and taking responsibility for that. So I really felt like that principle, that understanding, that framework of life applied across the board to believers, that everybody has a metron. So that really was the heart of the book. And then it, it goes into theology of work which for those of you that might be new to actual theology of work, which you'd be surprised how many people don't know. When you say theology of work, it sounds like they know, they've heard of it, but then they go, oh, I don't know. So I was getting my hair cut yesterday and the lady cutting my hair, she's great. She's like a probably Hispanic background, um, Taekwondo champion. <laughs> like she's probably in her forties. And uh, it's just a really interesting lady. We got talking. And uh, she asked me what I did and stuff. I, I teach on theology of work. She's like, huh. And she's like, started sharing this, her own biblical framework, which was really impressive actually. And I was, but then she's like, but I've never heard of that. So I just kind of laid out a couple thoughts like I, I want to share with you while I'm getting my hair cut. And she was like, game changer. She was just like, game changer. Just never heard this. And so I want to make sure you guys have heard it. And you know how to basically refer to it because it, it even affected her in like a half hour haircut. And I was like, I told my wife, I was like, I can't not talk about this everywhere I go. This is what comes up and I love it. It's great. So quick uh, bead on theology of work. You know, we get that concept of work as worship in there from the original two scriptures. Most of you guys are pretty familiar with that. And that word work in Genesis 2.15 is abad, which is what caught my attention about this company. It's the Hebrew word abad, which means work and worship. That's where you get this concept of work being worship when God takes man and puts him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it. The word cultivate means work and worship and keep it. And then I expound a lot on um, that word keep in the book. I don't think I'll mention too much here. But the rest of the original commission or the theology of work is based on Genesis 1.28, where it says, God blessed them, said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on earth. So there's this standing command from the beginning, which the, we get to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. And that's really what you're doing in your work. That's what work is in the kingdom of God. That's how we occupy. That's how we subdue. That's how we bring 
the representation of the kingdom of God, the life of the kingdom into your sphere, your metron. So that's the heart of theology of work. And it, the best part about it, when you get it, you realize work was before the fall. It's not a result of the fall. It's not a form of punishment. It's not because of sin. It's God's original design. So that's why I'm excited about it. And there's a whole bunch of tie-ins to the Great Commission and all that, which I can tell you about later when we have more time. But work is inherently missional. I'll just say that. Ties directly into the Great Commission in the original language and wording. So by the very nature that you have a job, you have a vocation, a calling, puts you on mission. Hey, you know, I asked Josh to share a couple thoughts tonight. Um, we kind of do this little gathering differently every time. It's different people all the time at different places. But, you know, Josh has a lot to invest out of his life experience and uh, really respect his, his journey. So I saw, asked him to share for a few minutes a couple things that would just across the board help people wherever they're at from his journey and just invest in you guys a little bit. And then we can do some Q&A and we'll talk a little bit more. But yeah, come on, yeah. fire away, man. Y'all, I feel like I just learned more from you guys than anything I could possibly <laughs> share. Um, that was humbling and encouraging. Uh, I hope as I ramble for the next few minutes that I touch on something that either hits a nerve or sparks an interest or maybe even leads to a follow-up conversation. Um, so Jonathan very graciously asked me to, to chat for a few minutes um, on a couple of key points to help people uh, succeed in the marketplace and connecting their their um, their mission to the marketplace and what that journey looks like. Um, and y'all, I could soapbox for a long time about this. I've already done that with some of you, so <laughs> apologies, but I get really excited about this because I think it's such an area of opportunity for so many of us. Um, I think it is probably the biggest unlock um, that, that we can be on the verge of by helping uh, a community of believers understand the role that their faith plays in their work. Um, we have got a, a sleeping dragon in the form of um, a, a, a dormant church looking for purpose, looking for something outside. Um, and so I just get super excited about this. Um, if you don't hear me say anything else, and, and thankfully, this is already a theme that's been touched on a few different times, a few different ways. Um, your work has tremendous value in God's economy. Um, you matter as much as any pastor, any worship leader, any missionary. Um, I think a lot of us, if you grew up in a faith tradition, you heard, whether explicitly or implicitly, um, Mark, my heart grieves for your dad. Man, I'm yeah. getting choked up thinking about it. Um, you probably heard that you, you were lesser than. Um, that you, you mattered in that, like you could contribute financially, you could tithe, um, you could maybe be a deacon or an elder or serve in Sunday school, but in the, in the, the hierarchy of who matters the most, you were on the top. Um, and I just think that's, that's a paradigm that we owe it to our brothers and sisters to flip on its head. It is a biblical, um, and again, I don't, I don't know how many people are hearing that explicitly, but I think there's this implicit current that a lot of us have bought into um, that our work is lesser than. And so I loved hearing stories of people saying like, man, I want to push against that. Like, I believe that that is, that is not how we need to be living this out. And so um, just one incredibly encouraged, I think um, uh, maybe, maybe I'll share a little bit about background. I, I know I kind of give a, a quick version, Henry's time of me probably, um, but I grew up um in a, in a faith tradition that was good, it instilled a lot of biblical values in me, um, got to college, and my first few weeks of college, 9-11 happens. And so for many of us, some of us maybe weren't alive, maybe some of us were further in our careers, but that was a, a really transformative experience, far more than I realized, because for the next four years of college, I went out of my way 
not to interact with international students. Because at that point, I, all I knew about people that looked different than me was they're scary, right? And so um, uh, through that experience, uh, God opened my eyes through a class called Perspectives, uh, which I know is near and dear to many of our hearts. Um, through that, we got we were living in Little Rock at the time, got plugged into this international friendship outreach, and I got to interact for the first time ever with people from all walks of life, different countries, different cultures, different religions, and just holy smokes, it was like, man, these people are really cool. It turns out these people are really fun to be around and, and honestly have a lot of the same like dreams and ambitions and desires um, that I have. And so rather than being like, well, this person feels really distant and scary and different in close proximity, I realized like, man, we're really, really similar. Now we've got some fundamental differences and that's okay to acknowledge, but that's true for any of us, right? Like at some point we're all going to disagree on something. Um, but so that just opened my eyes um, to the, the value of, of a global perspective. Um, my wife and I took our first trip to Tunisia um, and through that experience um, got to shadow somebody who was doing business as mission, which I didn't have that nomenclature for um, at the time, but just saw the value of, of tying work that was really natural and authentic um, to relationship and uh, identity. And, and really, I think for, for us as a family, like what turned into, for, for our family, it would turn into like integrity. Um, I didn't have to worry about the, like, I didn't want to have to worry about the, I say I'm one thing, but I really do another. Um, and so in a lot of that, came back, did my MBA, um, worked in the CPG world for a long time, got to Harvest Group, and I was like, thank God, I'm going to be here forever. Um, and then about a year into my journey at Harvest Group, God was like, hey, now's the time. And we're like, no, 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 we're good, because you see, we've got like, the whole like family thing and we're like, we like our neighborhood and we're going to get church and like, we're good. And he was like, nah, now it's time. Um, and so, uh, very, uh, through a lot of kind of ups and downs, we got the good pleasure of opening up, um, what is now Harvest Group Tunisia. So we've got an office in Tunisia, um, doing a lot of kind of like back in data analytics and database management, software development for our team here. Um, and what was so unique about that is it made sense for them because they have people with highly skilled, um, uh, mathematics and physics and engineering. And so they're like, oh yeah, like you're going to come here and open an overseas like outsource office. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and it made sense for me because that's what I was talented at. Like I, I could lead people, I could um, teach CPG and retail context, um, things that I would not have been qualified for being a missionary. Like that's not how God like wired me, had trained me, had given me the experience. And so what I loved about what we were able to do is um, it was natural and it didn't take me doing, having this like dualistic, like, okay, I have to say I'm like this person over here, but over here I'm this other person. Like I was just able to be like Josh, my wife was able to be Emily and our kids were able to be who they were. I'm going to push back on your, uh, what role did I have as a kid thing? Because, uh, man, our kids friggin' rocked in Tunisia. They, uh, they opened so many doors for us. Um, and so you probably had way more impact than you realized. Um, sorry to call you out. Um, Okay. Uh, and so then we've been back for a couple of years now. Thankfully we got back right before COVID hit. And, um, what's been unique about that journey is trying to figure out in light of all those experiences, what now? Right. And so I think for a lot of us, um, I think about that, uh, we were joking earlier about like coming out of like, you know, maybe it's like on a micro level, like a, a, a work matters, like leader cast. And you're like, man, that was a great Friday. I'm going to come in Monday morning. Things are going to be, no, no, no. Monday is just the same really good experience, but like now what? And so, um, I think for us, like what it's looked like practically is, um, the way that we spend our time looks different. The way that we value people looks different. The way that we empathize with people, um, who, who look and think different than us looks a lot different now. Um, and so maybe it's like a, a quick, like aside, um, if you're planning on moving overseas and maybe that's not an ambition for anybody, um, and that's okay. Um, 
But if you're, if you're considering over, moving overseas or know somebody who is thinking about it, um, a couple of words of encouragement. One, start taking cold showers. Um, not because cold showers matter. I got this from Henry. Uh, not because cold showers matter, but because we've got to be okay with discomfort. Um, it is really easy to live in a world of comfort. Yeah. Um, and when we choose to, we can embrace a little bit of discomfort. But living overseas, like that, that whole thing gets flipped on its head and like I get to be uncomfortable a lot. And if I'm not used to being uncomfortable, man, it's going to be hard. And so not to say that there's any like, uh, you know, three-step process for like being an excellent missionary, but like if you're not okay getting uncomfortable here, y'all, it's about to get a lot worse. Um, <laughs> so that's one encouragement. Um, another thing, don't get over your skis in that um, uh, don't go over and just assume that you'll like figure things out. Like, oh, like, oh over here, like, I'm, I'm a listless college student, but like when I move overseas, like, man, I'm probably going to be like a business, t- you know, tycoon or <laughs> like maybe an engineer. And it's like, no, like I think about the, uh, office, office fans, anybody? Yeah. Uh, there's this one office episode where Michael is working in a, uh, telemarketing center and the Indian guy next to him says like, I was a, I was a doctor back in my home country. And Michael says, I think I'd be a doctor in your country too. <laughs> and just like, how, like, like man, I but I think that's, that's oftentimes with like, uh, maybe like gently poking on like some like American pride that we can have and say like, man, like I am so good that like, I'll just come over and like magically, like just by being in proximity, we'll have this halo effect and everybody like see how good I am. But I think really what people are looking for is like something much different. So I think there's an opportunity for us to to come in and actually add unique value that is true to how God wired us and created us and gifted us. Um, if you're not planning to move overseas, but interested in what that looks like um, here locally, um, global perspective, local location, um, many of you are probably doing this already. Make international friends. Like it's not that hard. Um, and, and if you're even if you're not like uh, like spending like tons of time like on the U of A campus and like go to the mosque and all those things. Like there's still ways you can value and honor people who are from another country. I mean, I think about like, uh, you know, whether it's like I'm getting my hair cut and like I can bring up a conversation that speaks to somebody that speaks life into somebody. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, having been, uh, not in the majority culture in another country, just having somebody be, uh, welcoming to us, which is something that like Biblically, like we're supposed to do, we're supposed to welcome the sojourner. Um, I think it's something that is a really easy and turnkey way for us to um, live out some of those things. Um, and again, I think uh, given all the different experiences that we have here, like even even as we run out, like, man, like there's a lot of like unique talent and passion and vision. Um, and so finding ways to plug uh, that value and interest and passion into your local church or into a network like this. Um, Henry does such a good job of this. Um, like he is plugged into so many different things using a unique set of gifts and talents that God has given him. But like Henry, to my knowledge, you've never, you've never been like a career missionary, right? Like, and that's okay. Right. And so, um, I think we should make sure that we're esteeming, uh, things like that. Um, I think, uh, maybe in closing, um, as believers, we should be, uh, known by the way that we love others. Like, I think if you, if you read through scripture, if you look at how Jesus lived and loved, um, that is how people knew he was different, right? He, they saw how he loved. Um, they, they, I think people should see our integrity. They should see the work that we do. Um, I will butcher the quote, but there's a famous Martin Luther King Jr. quote where he says, if you, even if you're a street sweeper, um, you know, sweep the streets as if you're, you know, Michelangelo painting artwork um, or Shakespeare writing poetry so that the heavens will stop and say, look at that person doing really good work. Um, and I think that's what, um, we get invited to do. And so, um, 
this is all part of a journey. And so I think that's, that's one thing to keep in mind is that like, we are all in very different places in this, but I, I do find so much, um, encouragement knowing that like, there's a lot of unique empathy. Um, I think one of the Carter and I were talking earlier. Um, I think one of the, uh, like the, the greatest tricks the enemy can pull right now is like making you feel like you're totally isolated. And yeah. so Jonathan, thank you for facilitating things like this to make sure that like, that we connect, that there are the people who, uh, want to live this out. I just, yeah, I love the heart Josh has and the experience to really back it up. You know, a lot of people have book knowledge, but some people get their knowledge in the desert in Tunisia. <laughs> it's good to hear from <laughs> from people that have been there, you know. So I, I really like that. It's kind of, it might feel like an extreme expression of some of the things we're talking about, but the principles translate, the theology translates, the philosophy translates, the redemptive nature of whatever enterprise you're in it all is similar because it's part of God's design. And that's one of the things I've really enjoyed is seeing that when we talk biblical principles around work, a theology of work, that's really a uniter between any vocation. And even if you're in a full-time ministry, traditional kind of vocational ministry, there's still a need for theology of work. I used to, you know, do tons of traditional mission work enterprises. And I can guarantee you that people did not know, did not value work in that enterprise. And so I really love and respect the high value for work and a redemptive approach. I, I really do. I resonate with some of you guys have commented that this really is the way forward in the new world. And God has a real significant plan for the marketplace and to minister through the marketplace. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager Podcast, presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.